This is day 18 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will be reading Exodus chapters 19 through 22 and Psalm chapter 18. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you today. Thank you for putting the love of Christ in our hearts. May we see you as you desire to be sought, and may we obey you the way you desire to be obeyed. Help us, Lord, to submit to your will at all times. There are so many competing interests in our lives, and and so often we're so distracted. We're so preoccupied with our own agendas, with the world around us, with our jobs. And so often, Lord, we don't include you into those activities. We don't surrender ourselves to what you want. But help us, Lord, in this dark season of our world, Help us to be salt and light, as you have called us to be. Help us to take your law seriously. Help us to take your commandments as seriously as you desire us to. That is either obedience or disobedience. It really is that simple. Help us to see that as we go into the law of Moses finally being instituted. Guide us through your holy word today. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the word of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today, and tomorrow let them wash their garments, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down On Mount Sinai, in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man. He shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes, and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke 
and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, for he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance, while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it out of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. 
and you shall not go up by steps to my altar, so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. Now these are the ordinances which you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve for six years, but on the seventh he shall go out as a free man without payment. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man, then his master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him permanently. If a man sells his daughter as a female slave, she is not to go free as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He does not have authority to sell her to a foreign people because of his unfairness to her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes to himself another woman, he may not reduce her food, her clothing, or her conjugal rights. If he will not do these three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. If, however, a man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor, so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him even from my altar, that he may die. He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men have a quarrel, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but remains in bed, if he gets up and walks around outside on his staff, then he who struck him shall go unpunished. He shall only pay for his loss of time, and shall take care of him until he is completely healed. If a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod, and he dies at his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken, for he is his property. If two men struggle with each other and strikes a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him. He shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he shall let him go free on account of his eye. And if he knocks out a tooth of his male or female slave, he shall let him go free on account of his tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall go unpunished. If, however, an ox was previously in the habit of goring, and its owner has been warned, yet he has not confined it, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. 
If a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is demanded of him. Whether it gores a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the same rule. If the ox gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. If a man opens a pit, or digs a pit, and does not cover it over, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restitution. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead animal shall become his. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide its price equally, and also they shall divide the dead ox. If it is known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, yet its owner has not confined it, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. If a thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no blood guiltiness on his account. But if the sun has risen on him, there will be blood guiltiness on his account. He shall surely make restitution. If he owns nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If what he stole is actually found alive in his possession, whether an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man lets a field or vineyard be grazed bare, and lets his animal loose so that it grazes into another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If a fire breaks out and spreads to thorn bushes so that stacked grain or the standing grain or the field itself is consumed, he who started the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man gives his neighbor money or goods to keep for him, and it is stolen from the man's house, if the thief is caught, he shall pay double. If the thief is not caught, then the owner of the house shall appear before the judges to determine whether he laid his hands on his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for ox, for donkey, for sheep, for clothing, or for any lost thing about which one says, This is it, the case of both parties shall come before the judges. He whom the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep for him, and it dies, or is hurt, or is driven away while no one is looking, an oath before the Lord shall be made by the two of them, that he has not laid hands on his neighbor's property, and its owner shall accept it, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is actually stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is all torn to pieces, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn to pieces. If a man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it is injured or dies while its owner is not with it, he shall make full restitution. If its owner is with it, he shall not make restitution. If it is hired, it came for its hire. If a man seduces a virgin who was not engaged and lies with her, he must pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he shall give money equal to the dowry for virgins. You shall not allow a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. He who sacrifices to any god other than to the Lord alone shall be utterly destroyed. You shall not wrong a stranger.
or oppress him. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or orphan. If you afflict him at all, and if he does cry out to me, I will surely hear his cry, and my anger will be kindled, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you are to return it to him before the sun sets, for that is his only covering. It is his cloak for his body. What else shall he sleep in? And it shall come about that when he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am gracious. You shall not curse God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay the offering from your harvest and your vintage. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be holy men to me. Therefore you shall not eat any flesh torn to pieces in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Psalm chapter 18 For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils, and fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down with thick darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he sped upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, his canopy around him, darkness of waters, thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him passed his thick clouds, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows, and scattered them, and lightning flashes in abundance, and routed them. Then the channels of water appeared, and the foundations of the world were laid bare, at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my heart, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his ordinances were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless with him, and I kept myself from my iniquity.
Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyes. With the kind, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you show yourself astute. For you have saved an afflicted people, but haughty eyes you abase. For you light my lamp, the Lord my God illumines my darkness. For by you I can run upon a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I pursue my enemies and overtake them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me, and I destroyed those who hated me. They cried for help, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them fine as the dust before the wind. I emptied them out as the mire of the streets. You have delivered me from the contentions of the people. You have placed me as head of the nations. A people whom I have not known serve me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners submit to me. Foreigners fade away and come trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who executes vengeance for me and subdues peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. Surely you lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Lord, and I will sing praises to your name. He gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Okay, let's have a brief commentary today, since today's reading was much longer than usual, and let's see what the Lord showed us today. Chapter 19 is where Israel is now at the base of Mount Sinai. They are at the mountain of God, it's called. And here, God intends to meet with his people in order to establish the covenant that he intends to make with them. What is the covenant? It is like what God said here in chapter 19. You will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Then you shall be my own possession among the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So that is the covenant. You will be a holy people to me, and I will be your God, and I will bless you. Israel, I don't think, fully realized what they were getting into, because they said in verse 8 that all the people gathered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we are going to see next time that they didn't keep their promise for very long. And in fact, I don't even think it lasted a day without them breaking the covenant. We are going to see this a lot in the Bible. From this moment in time, during the Exodus, until we come to the time of Jesus Christ, God is going to hold Israel accountable under what is called 
the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that was established during the time of Moses, which is now. This is why God is going to be angry with his people later in this story, but also in the future books of the Bible that we're going to read, because he holds Israel to the same standards of the covenant. And they have not obeyed the covenant. They have not treated God the way he desires to be treated. And they go off in search of other gods besides him. God is so patient with them. And sometimes his judgment is swift, which is what we're going to find shortly. But sometimes his judgment is long-suffering. Sometimes he waits generations, sometimes centuries, before he inflicts full judgment upon his people. God is a gracious God. He is very patient with his people. But that doesn't mean that he is okay with what they're doing. We should be happy that God is a God of long-suffering, of enduring patience, because we are such an obstinate people. We, as sinners, are offensive to God. Imagine if God's judgment was always swift. A lot of us wouldn't survive. Maybe none of us. So thank God that he is patient with us. And he sees what we are to become. And he is continuing to train us, to discipline us, and get us ready for the next step. Praise God for that. And when it comes to preparation, that's exactly what chapter 19 is about. Moses was instructed to prepare the people to meet their God. They were called to be consecrated. And this is a term you're going to see a lot in the law of Moses. To be consecrated means to be purified and to be made clean in the sight of God. So they're going to perform some rituals and some acts that are going to cleanse them in the sight of God. And after three days, they are going to hear from God from Mount Sinai. And that is exactly what happens. Chapter 20 is a very important chapter to all of the people of God. For one, God spoke all these words. This was not Moses speaking to the people on God's behalf. God spoke to all of Israel with an audible voice. They all heard it. It was loud it was frightening. It was flashing lightning and thunder everywhere. The mountain was smoking. It was quite a scene. But what God said was the Ten Commandments. And those are what are going to be recorded on tablets of stone by the finger of God himself. And Moses is going to present them to the people. But these are the Ten Commandments that we have in front of us here. These are not the only commandments that we are to obey, as we see in the later chapters. But these are the core issues that all humans deal with. And if you notice, out of the Ten Commandments, the first four are our obedience and our love for God. The first commandment is to have no other gods before him. What exactly does that mean? In the original Hebrew, what he is literally saying is, you shall have no other gods in my sight. God will not share his worship with anything else. And since God sees all things, we are not to have anything else that competes with God's worship. Which leads directly into the second thing. You shall not make any idols. Now, as we know from the teachings of Jesus, that it is more than just making a statue. It is more than making an icon to worship. It is putting something into our heart that competes with God's worship. We all have an idol that we prop up in our lives. One of mine is video games. It is one of my worst vices that I constantly am struggling against. And we all have one. So if you say you don't have any idols, you're a liar. I'm sorry. But they all do the same thing. They all cause us to compete for God's attention. They all cause a competition in worshiping God or worshiping it, or 
causing you to fall away from God because what you're doing is sinful by nature. These are what idols are, and those idols that we have in our lives need to be removed. God clearly says in the very first commandment that nothing else shall be in front of him. Nothing else shall compete with him. Nothing else shall be greater in affection before him. He is to be number one always. And if he is not, then we need to identify where the idols are in our lives, and we need to remove them permanently. Not test it out for a season, not entertain both of them at the same time, because Jesus said that you cannot serve two masters, because you will love one, but you will hate the other. And nine times out of ten, in my experience, the one that will win is the idol because we are sinful human beings. That cannot be. That cannot be how the people of God are described or defined. Now it does say, though, that you shall not make images of things that are in heaven or on earth or in the sea below. But what about having pictures of Jesus? This is in direct contrast with the Catholic faith. Worshiping an image of Mary or Jesus Christ, or anything like that, is idolatry. My hope is that this is not anything surprising to you. And if it is, then you have some things to work on. We are not to have images of Jesus Christ in any way. Why? Because we don't know what he looks like. And that is not necessarily the Christ of the Bible. I think of the Catholic Jesus and how he's white, with long hair and a goatee, and he just looks so peaceful with these very soft hands and looks kind of feminine. That is not the Christ of the Bible. The Bible doesn't say he was attractive. That part of the world is not light-skinned, and he was raised by a carpenter. He was raised with somebody who works with their hands. And if you have soft hands like that, Obviously, you've never done any carpentry in your life. So I highly doubt Jesus had those soft, gentle hands. Is he by nature soft and gentle? Yes, he's God. Of course he is. But he is also firm. He's also faithful. He also has zero tolerance for his name to be profaned. So we have to consider all the aspects of who God is when we look at Jesus. And so do not worship or pray to an image that is idolatry. Another sad reality is in the Catholic Church that this commandment was removed from the Bible. That is dangerous territory because it is clear throughout Scripture that we do not add or take away from the Word of God. For the convenience of their faith, the Catholic Church has taken out this commandment so that they won't be in violation of it. But guess what? You can take it out of the Bible, but you are still in violation to what God originally said. So while you may have your fun for now, you will have to meet God face to face in judgment, and you will have to explain to him why you allowed it to happen and why you entertained it at all. The third commandment is that you don't take the Lord's name in vain. You do not speak his name in an empty way. I can think of three common things that we do that we should not. First thing we do is that when we're caught in a lie or when we're trying to convince someone that we're telling the truth, what do we tend to say? I swear to God, we cannot be doing that. God makes it very clear his name should not be used that way. What about if you're surprised about something? Oh my God! Do not say that. That is not what God intends his name to be used for. And of course, worst of all, I'm not even going to say it, but when we curse our God in a use of profanity, and I think you know what I'm talking about, when we damn something by his name, that is completely unacceptable. God has warned us not to use his name this way. And then the fourth commandment is to celebrate the Sabbath. 
Again, the Sabbath was created for man because man has limitations that God does not. God chose to rest on the seventh day. He didn't need to. It's not like he was weakened by him creating all things, but he did it for man, and Jesus explains that. So all human beings need a chance to properly rest, especially back then. They all worked with their hands. They were all outside all day, exerting a lot of physical labor in such a way that most of us today don't fully understand. Because civilization has advanced so much, we don't always understand exactly how that is. But regardless of what time period it is, God has given us a day to rest, not only to rest from our labors, but also to rest in Him. That day is meant to be meditating and contemplating what has happened throughout your week and relating it back to God. Now, the next six verses are related to our interactions with each other as human beings. So you could wrap up all six of these commandments into one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But here they are anyway. Honor your father and your mother. We are to obey our parents. But let me make one thing clear. Adult children. If you are an adult, you have moved out of the house, and you have parents who are telling you what to do, you don't have to necessarily do them. You certainly want to honor their counsel and their opinions. But as an adult, you are independent from them, and they do not have the same control over you as they once did. Now, I'm not saying that your parents should not be obeyed, nor should you listen to them at all. That's not what I'm saying. This is a heart issue. If you love your parents, you will listen to them, and you will take their counsel for what it's worth. But your parents are not always perfect, you know? And so as an adult, sometimes they'll try to insert themselves into your life and tell you how to run your life. And that doesn't mean you have to listen to that. You can heed their advice, but you don't necessarily have to do it. As a child, though, when you are in their house and you're under their authority, you must do everything they tell you to do, unless it violates any statute of God. That you simply cannot do. God comes before man. And then we have the ones that are more harsh. Do not kill anybody. That should be pretty straightforward. Don't commit adultery. Jesus said that is not only a physical act, but that is also something we do in our hearts as well. If you even look at a woman and lust after her, then you are committing adultery in your heart. Same thing with murder. If you hate somebody like you want them to die, then you are killing them in your mind. And that's equal to murder in God's economy. Don't steal. That doesn't have to be a physical object. It can be ideas. You shall not bear false witness or lie. Do not lie. God hates liars. And you shall not covet. This one is the one that is split up in the Catholic Bible. So they took out the commandment that talks about idolatry, and they split this one into two. One of them is, you will not covet your neighbor's goods. And the other is, you will not covet your neighbor's wife. But in the real, actual word of God, it says that they are one and the same. You shall not covet. So the people heard this from God himself, and they freaked out. It was all so frightening and overwhelming for them. So they said, Moses, you come and tell us what God is saying, and we'll listen to you. But please don't let God talk to us again. It is so scary. And Moses comforts them by saying not to be afraid. But this is why God did it. He came in order to test you, in order that the fear of him may remain in you, and that you may not sin. He did it to ensure that the people understood how serious God takes this. He wants his people to not violate his commands. He calls them to be a holy people. God calls us as well today to be holy people. All of God's commands are intended to be obeyed. We don't get to pick and choose which ones we obey. Chapters 21 and 22 relate to different kinds of laws that are mentioned here. 
And chapter 21 is primarily laws about having slaves. The first half is definitely about slaves, and the second half is concerned about personal injury. Here's something that we need to remember. God is okay with capital punishment. So true Christianity should be okay with capital punishment as well. A life for a life is sometimes necessary. Something also to note is what you see in verse 22. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child, if the baby lives, everything's fine. You just pay whatever the husband insists that you pay. But if the baby dies, or the mother dies, or both, then it says that you will take life for life. The Bible is very clear right here that killing an unborn child is murder. Why? Because an unborn child is a human being. Our society's worship of the death of children is disgusting in God's sight. It is murder to do that. And all of this infanticide going on across our nation with abortion is a terrible thing in God's eyes. We simply cannot be pro-choice or pro-abortion if we are Christians. That cannot be. The sanctity of life must be maintained. God is the creator of all life, and all life is sacred and special to him. We have no right to take it away. Chapter 22 is regarding laws concerning theft, laws concerning property damage, and laws concerning dishonesty. God does not like dishonest people. There's also laws about immorality. And it's very clear here that if a man lies with a virgin, then you're supposed to take her as a wife. You're paying the dowry. You bought her, in a sense. In other words, what I'm saying is that loose living and sleeping around and having multiple partners is completely unacceptable in God's eyes. Again, God's original design for marriage is between one man and one woman for life. None of this other stuff is biblical, and none of this other stuff is acceptable in God's eyes. He makes it very clear in passages like this. Here's another one that doesn't seem like it would apply today, but it certainly does. Verse 18. You shall not allow a sorceress to live. What exactly is this implying? This is a woman who claims to have supernatural powers by means of spells or magic or knowledge. And all of this stuff comes from evil spirits. Do we have that today? We absolutely do. Tarot cards, astrology, the zodiac, horoscopes, Wicca, you name it. There's a whole slew of them out there. And in the world of video games, which I have spent much of my life in, it's all over the place. God hates that stuff, and he does not tolerate it, and neither should we. And there are some other commands in here about um, civil and religious obligations, but it is there for you to read for yourself. We don't need to go into it in great detail. And finally, we have Psalm 18. This is one of David's longer psalms, but this is a different change of pace than his other ones. His other ones talk about real problems that he was dealing with, laments. But here we have a victory song. This is a song of being rescued and redeemed from those situations. Because like it says at the beginning of this psalm, that this was when the Lord rescued David from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So David talks about a lot of interesting things in here. I'm not going to go through it in too much detail, given the time. But he relates what the Lord is to him, first off. He talks about who the Lord is to him. And that is important, because we need to recognize who the Lord is to us as well. The next thing he does is he rehearses God's deliverance. He brings back the things that God has done. And he relates it to his personal deliverance. He then talks about the victories that he's achieved through God, 
and he resolves to continue to praise God as a result of those. He gives God all the credit, and he attributes him to a lot of anthropomorphic language in here. And this is a wonderful song that we need to really take seriously, because we need to have the same aspect of worship between us and God. Do we give God the glory every time that we have a victory in our lives? Do we recall the struggles that we've had, and we recognize God taking us out of them? And do we give him thanks for those things? Do we show our gratitude for the blessings that he has given us? David's on the right track with understanding who God is, and also understanding how God wants to be worshipped. This is important because I don't think we think about that too much. How does God desire to be worshipped? Is there a particular way that God wants to be worshipped? Absolutely there is. That's why it's throughout the entire Bible. So we don't get to choose how to worship him. He has told us how he wants to be worshipped, and we are to obey that command. David gets it. That's why he's called the man after God's own heart, because he knows. He's figured out who God is. And the only reason why he has figured it out is because he has put God first. He is a man after God's own heart, meaning that he wants to know what God's heart is. He has pursued it actively all his life, and God has revealed himself to him. God will do that to us too if we seek him like David did. So let's use this psalm as an example to follow in this way. And as typical of psalms, a lot of them point to the Messiah as well. In the last couple of verses, you see that being mentioned here. Verse 50 especially, he gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed. So not only is David the king at this time, but his descendant, Jesus Christ, is going to be the king of kings, and he is God's anointed. He is the Messiah. So there's a little bit of that in there as well. Our verse to memorize for today is going to be Psalm chapter 18, verse 46. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.